and welcome to the Started Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Kara. Marler, we are back in our respective homes from the Peach Bowl. We got yeah. to spend yesterday together in Atlanta. Let's let's give the people a little a little peel behind the onion for our weekend before we kind of dig into the game and, and all the things that happened. Is, is, is that fair? Yeah, so I was, I mean, we started, it was cool because we started the season where we, are we into the season where we started the season? In, in the Mercedes-Benz press box, which is, for me, that was pretty cool. And it was different this time, obviously, than last time, because last time we were watching a bloodbath against an inferior opponent in the SEC team. Well, hold on, wait. No, so same it thing. was yeah. that was yeah. the same uh, for Bama Duke as it was LSU Oklahoma. Um, no, it was it was this time was a little bit different. We we got to go on the field before the game, which was cool. Uh, got got to actually run. We ran into several uh, listeners and and some of our friends we've met along the way this season, which was really cool. I, I had a blast yesterday. Was like like I, I wrote, of course, in typical Marler fashion. I wrote some over the top sappy emotional post to say thank you to all you guys yet again that I was going to wait until New Year's Eve to write. Like I had this planned because I want to mention everybody by name. Then the third quarter was happening. I yeah, was like, I looked oh, over okay. to you. I'm like, what are you what are you working on right <laughs> yeah. now? It's, it's like a, a like, novel. You're writing more than I was. And I was but there was like nothing else going on and I and I wrote it and I was I was just so sincere because it's like one of those things where you kinda take a step back and you were kind of forced to take a step back in this situation because there wasn't much going on. There's no other games going on. This is just the only thing in front of you. And it was an absolute, you know, blank show from early on. And, you know, sitting there in the third quarter, I was just kind of taking everything in of, like, how thankful I was for how the season had played out and how, how exciting it was. For I know most of you think that I hate LSU, but just to spend it with LSU fans and, and so many cool things we've got to do to watch this team throughout the season, it was it was like, it was was special. It was special. But then I got one of my, one of my uh, good buddies, Brian Randazzo, <laughs> he messaged me and he goes, how pathetic for the Big 12. What does it look like for this oh, conference man. for you to be writing this in the third quarter of their playoff game? And I was like, that's Seriously. not a bad point. Yeah, it felt like a, a cupcake week type game by by game's end. Um, it, it was really cool to be there. I had never covered a playoff game before. I know that you said, you said you know, on your way into the stadium, this is your third straight year going to a playoff game. Sick brag cool. for you. Yeah. It was really cool. It was it was a great day in itself, and the access was, was just tremendous. And one of the things that people don't know is that you actually get that locker room access after a playoff game. As yeah. opposed to a regular season game, people think that you can just go in locker room talk to whoever you want that's usually not how it works usually it's you you're lucky to get a couple of players that come out to the podium after the game and then it's 10 minutes and they need to get going and get on the bus right it's really really rushed but to have that access after the game where you know you're able to talk to guys like justin jefferson and jamar chase clyde edwards hilaire and 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 joe brady you know these these guys who you know we've talked about throughout the year but that access is different when you're in the locker room and you're kind of seeing them interact so from that perspective and what what i got to do afterwards that was different that was really cool I loved the same things you did with getting to meet some of our listeners, getting to meet, yeah. you know, meet up with uh, Mickey Sheremy and his wife before the game, and you know, I got to meet up with with our guy Candler Cook before the game. He oh, of yeah. course had a sweet for this. Yeah, we were we were dividing conquer once again. We've yeah. we had to do that a few times in Atlanta with dividing and conquering, but much like you were doing today with meeting up with some of our listeners as well. Yeah. Uh, got to meet uh, Mike Love beforehand. That was really cool. Was, by the way, so shout out to Mike Love, real quick, and his wife because this is this is one of my favorite stories from the day. And 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 I don't think he knows the background story of what happened. So I just want to I want to give a huge shout out to Mike Love because of this. 
any stickers you want, bro, are on the house. <laughs> like, yes. like, so we're sitting there. They told us to go in this specific line to get to the Hall of Fame. As most of you know, I used to work at the Hall of Fame. I like, th- and this was not a situation where like Karen wants to see a manager and get in for free. It was just like, hey, we're gonna go say hey real quick. We just had an event there. Obviously, we're getting in for free whether you like it or not. But like, like we're just we're just we're going where they're telling us. <laughs> and I told I told Connor I go. Listen, like, dude, I just paid off a car. It was a double payday this week. I, like, I'm, I'll rich. pay for the tickets. I, I'm hood rich. Like, I don't care. We'll, I'll buy the tickets. We get expensive later. But either way, we're going in real quick to say hey to Robert. A couple other guys, you know, like Robert does just an incredible job running that entire facility. So we get in the wrong line, and this guy, because this guy told us to get in the wrong line, or get in this line, and then all yep. of a sudden the guy at the front's like, you need to go to the back. I thought he was going to start clapping. Like, go to the back <laughs> of the line. And I'm like, they just told us to come here. And he was giving us like a little bit of attitude about it. And so then I was like, should I pull this out and be like, hey, where's Robert? Get Robert over here. And as this is happening, and I'm like trying to explain, I'm trying my best not to be like, hey, we're important. <laughs> like but the guy, my glove comes up with his wife and said, Chris Marler, Conor O'Gara? Dude, huge fan of the podcast. Just can we get a picture real quick? And like it said, hey. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Like, appreciate. Like it was it couldn't have been first off, we owe you 20 bucks. But like it couldn't have been <laughs> couldn't have been set up at a better time because then then they let us in for free, obviously. And it was it was cool, but it was uh that was a that was fun, man. That like and Connor's are walking in, and Connor, I think I could share this. Yeah, go man, ahead. That, that's that what never, I was just gonna say. Yeah, he's like, it never gets old. And I was like, I know. It's there's there's no better feeling I, I like like I remember, like when I first started doing comedy, and you'd run into people, and it was never like this because it was never a good thing. It was like, "Hey, I recognize you from doing comedy," and I was like, "Oh, good. What dingy bar were you at?" This was so cool. <laughs> it was just like, like, it was it was awesome. I I loved it. It was it was a lot of fun getting to getting to do that. And so before the game, we also went down to one of your buddies' tailgates. And yeah, oh, by the Corey. way, no no big deal. Just that's that's Chipper Jones over there <laughs> hanging out, rocking his LSU gear. Last time we were at this game, we saw you know last time we were at the stadium, we were just sharing a suite with Andrew Jones, and this right. time it's just sharing a tailgate with Chipper Jones. Like whatever. And then, and then on the field, Toby Keith walks by. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Toby Keith, and so then and then it became one of the most. He was he was a very like I got the Toby Keith picture in the same way that I would get. A, a a flavor of love or what's his name like flavor flavor picture like it was one of those things aggressively where it's like, yeah you're not gonna you're, yeah I was like no it wasn't aggressive I walked by I was like hey man you might forget a pic real quick and he was like yeah absolutely brother and so we take the picture and I didn't realize I had the flash on so I turned my head before the picture took and I was like thanks he's like I don't think it took brother and I was like that no was really it did good. and we're I'm looking at it and uh and, and it was like it it did he was he was right it didn't take so we didn't take another one which is like luckily he. He was like nice enough to do, but also the one that we took before him with the flash when I had already turned my head, it looks like I'm like gazing at him like from the side, like oh, yeah, Toby, American <laughs> girl. I, was like, it was, I saw him blackout drunk three years ago, and I'm guessing that after concert. that game, yeah, at his concert, of course. Um, I'm guessing after that game, he was gonna want to be blackout drunk. It was that kind of bad for. I was wondering about that too because it was like I will I will say real quick that Oklahoma fans, hats off to you. Hats they off showed to you for up. going. Yeah, it like uh, they showed up for the third straight year and then have that kind of situation happen. Ugh. And and I know that like the I, I put the thing on SDS and I was like getting their teeth kicked in. I know they didn't get their teeth kicked in the first two times necessarily. It's like they got their teeth kicked in by Bam in the first quarter, then picked them up and then got a some dentures or something like that. But like Georgia game, I know it was close. I, I just I will say I, I, kudos to that fan base for traveling. And, like you go to the you go to Pasadena, Miami, and Atlanta. Those are not easy trips, nope. back to back to back. I, I do, I do also want to say that when me and Mickey Sheremy were having a, a few 
Bud Heavies, or Miller Lights after the game, hanging out and catching up, there was this, we were apparently staying in the way, because I, I had to watch the Clemson-Ohio State game. And so we're sitting there watching the game, and all of a sudden this, this one angry uh, Oklahoma fan goes, y'all, can you please, whatever whatever conversation you're having, can you have it out, out of the way of one of the TVs? You're blocking both TVs. <laughs> and I looked at her and just started dying laughing, because, yeah, we, we moved and all that kind of stuff, and we didn't want to be rude. But she was wearing, this poor Oklahoma fan, wearing a hat that said, Make Defense Great Again. And That's wonderful. With that, we'll segue into the game. <laughs> so good. Look, real quick, I, I want to provide some perspective because I, if there are people wondering, like, oh, why don't you guys just stay and record a podcast together? Yeah. So a little little insight as to, like, what my timeline was and, like, why I'm back in Orlando now and we're not recording this. Besides the fact that Marler has pure and utter craziness going out with his in-laws at his place, just, you know, all the all the craziness that he had. Didn't necessarily have the best place to record. I was staying Dang. at a hotel. Yeah. So my flight yesterday from Chicago got into Atlanta at like 11:30. We, you know, we went and did all those things, Hall of Fame, tailgate stuff like that beforehand. And um, so after the game, you know, by the time I finished my story, which you know we'll talk a little bit about it later, wrote um, something a little bit more in depth about Steve Ensminger and the day that the tragic yeah. day that he had, and just the, the the wild and just so so sad the circumstances that surrounded his day. But, you know, so I wrote about that. And by the time I get out of there, you know, I was hoping to be able to, uh, I, I still had another story to write. I was going to pre do five early things about the national championship. I still had to write that story, you know, and I was hoping to do that and get back to the hotel room. So I call for an Uber outside of the, outside of the stadium to go back to the hotel. Because I'm staying like, you know, by the Brave Stadium, up by, yeah. uh, by the battery over the there. Battery. So it's like 20 minutes away. Um, from Mercedes-Benz, and, you know, the Uber driver, of course, like, just does not speak much English. Just cannot find me. He cannot find me. So eventually, for the first time in my life, I had to cancel an Uber ride. That was, like, 20 minutes of frustration walking back and forth. I paid his fee, so we should be good on that. And it was his fault. That's just going to say that. So I finally get an Uber. You know, guy comes, and he knows exactly where I am. Perfect. Drops me off at the hotel. It's 1130. Ohio State game. Clemson's winding down. It's really good. It's back and forth. Um, but I'm only following on my phone. I get into the hotel and they tell me that they've oversold and they have already, I don't know, they don't have a room for me. At 11.30 at night, 11.30 after the day that I had waking up at 5.30 in the morning to be able to fly into Atlanta, they tell me that. They didn't send me a text, they didn't send me an email, they just hope I didn't show up. They're getting a scathing review from me. Let's just say that. So they call another hotel. They call Holiday Inn, which it's not even like Holiday Inn to Holiday Inn. It was Hyatt Place to Holiday Inn. I don't know how they can set this up, but they said, oh, we're going to have you stay over there. So they gave me directions. I have to go take another Uber to be able to go to the Holiday Inn. They didn't pay for it or shuttle you over there? They didn't shuttle me over there or anything. So they... They they say they'll they'll take care of it. We'll we'll have them charge the same exact rate. I walk into the Holiday Inn. They're like, I don't know why they're telling you that it's going to be the same exact rate or whatever it is. There's like that they didn't even clear any of that with us. They messed up. Like we're not just going to take yeah, responsibility we're not, for them. We're not brothers. <laughs> so yeah, after 20 minutes of haggling back and forth and trying to say like, Can I just check into a room. Like you guys have available yeah. rooms. Like I'll, I'll pay whatever it is. Like I right. don't care. Leave so, me alone. Eventually, I finally do that, and as I'm doing that, and I'm at the front desk, there's an Ohio State fan that's in the that's sitting in the main lobby, and he's watching. He was watching the whole game, and like when I wasn't dealing with this guy at the front desk, I was peeking over to be able to watch the like the last couple yeah. minutes of the game, and then all I hear is him just drop an S word, just a four letter S word, and I me quickly, and I shouldn't have done this. I yelled over to him, "Did he throw a pick?" 
And he goes, yep, and puts his uh, head down, takes his beer, and walks away. And so that was how I consumed the end of the dude, Ohio State-Clemson game. I, okay, so I was up at the Omni for like two hours hanging out with Mickey. and Because like, like I didn't stay for the, the locker room stuff because from what my job would be, it's right, right. more of an engagement manager. So it's like I have to go find content. And like there's nothing – there are a few things – it, this season that have been better content than making fun of Clemson, right? And so, like, I, I just went to go watch the game. You, why didn't you call? Because I, I thought you were back home dealing with your in-laws. That's why. I mean, even if I was, dude, you should. Oh, you like we could have figured something out. I'm that sucks. I'm sorry. That so this like, is what happens when I don't stay with Marler when I go. Yeah, what the hell, out. dude? Dude, next time just we're four miles away. If that happened, like. I, I'll tell you what, if that happened to me in Orlando, best believe I'm crashing on your front porch if I have I to. Yeah, fine. next that's time, fine. definitely let us know. That. That's that's terrible, man. All right, we will get to the game in just a sec, but before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at Sweet Hop. As you know, the college football season is coming to a close, but there is still time to catch your team in a bowl game, even if you're an LSU fan. Uh, the lineups are all set, and all you need to do is get your ticket to the big game, whether you're packing up for the beach to watch Florida play Virginia in the Orange Bowl, or you're hitting up to the city, a different city, Nolens, to watch <laughs> LSU against Clemson. New Orleans, we'll just Nola. say it normal like that. Nola. <laughs> Uh, seeing a college game in a pro stadium is the ultimate fan experience. Pro stadiums are chock full of amenities and they have the best vantage points. The suites at a pro stadium take that up to a whole new level. Suites were made for discerning football fans who want to not only see every play call, but also want comfort, fine food, and access to an elevated experience. Our friends at Suite Hop can set you and your group up with the ultimate experience and a VIP suite for your bowl game. Suites comfortably seat groups of 12 to 40 people and include special access to VIP parking, extra wide seats, big screen TVs, premium catering, and lots of other exclusive perks, not to mention getting to skip those long lines on the concourse. Don't just see the game, sweet the game. If you're ready to live the sweet life, visit sweethop.com, that's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com to book the experience of a lifetime before it's too late. And if your team didn't make it to a bowl game this year, that's okay. Did you know that Sweet Hop can hook you up with suites at other events and venues too? From concerts and pro sports to Supercross and family events, Sweet Hop is the largest luxury box and VIP suite marketplace in the world for private and shared suites. They have the best selection for pro stadiums and arenas nationwide. With Sweet Hop, there are no hidden fees and you'll have access to our friendly, knowledgeable, personalized service team of suite experts. Our partners at Sweet Hop are offering $500, that's 500 US American dollars, off a private suite purchase for college bowl games exclusively for Saturday Down South listeners. Just head to sweethop.com. Again, that's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com and use that code SDS for $500 off any private suite. Discount is valid on any purchase of $10,000 or more. Okay. Let's talk pigskin. Take a breath. (laughs) Take a breath. And let me say this real quick about Sweet Hop. Now, a lot of times, I know when we do this this ad read, people are like, oh man, that's pretty expensive. Like that's $10,000 a lot. Let me tell you why, once again, Sweet Hop is, Sweet Hop is going to make sense in Nolia, okay? First off, I'm going to say Nolia instead of Nola. Do you know why, I Connor? I was wondering why you did We're going to give yeah, a round of applause, a little... <laughs> Do you know what that is? <laughs> it's a Nolia clap. We've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to learn. Keep up. Here we go. So, Nolia, Nola, whatever you want to call it, they are... Have you seen the ticket prices already? Oh, we're going to get to that, and it might mean too much. Okay. Do not worry. Well, I'll give you a sneak peek right now. Darren Ravel... Uh, commented this morning, and I tell you what, I'll just I'll, I'll I won't tell you the total amount. Or I'll t- it was four seats in the fifty yard line were over 
You don't even read the document anymore, Marla. You just what? spoiled no, my, my mean too much. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say how much it is. I'm just gonna tell you. And it was all, seven all seats. All I'm saying is it was seven seats, right? There was a, there was another one that was four seats that were over thirty one thousand dollars, which I'm assuming you didn't put in here. It might mean too much, was it? No, I put the one that was very similar. Okay, to There that. you go. So four seats over thirty thousand dollars. Connor has another one later that's even crazier. <laughs> the the black market for organ sales in New Orleans this upcoming uh, next couple weeks is gonna be outrageous. I will say that. But that's why this kind of makes sense in in this for this game. Ten thousand dollars, not not that bad, not, not that, that bad. bad. Go go to a suite, go to a suite, watch the game. And I tell you what, all jokes aside, if you're an LSU fan, go make a memory, man. This is Seriously. this has been the most incredible season to watch. I am not an LSU fan. You guys know that, as you constantly remind me. But this is it, this has been one of the most fun seasons to watch in SEC football that I've seen. And I honestly don't know how long. I compared a lot to the 2017 team for for UGA. Not in a rude way to the UGA fans for that season because it was that was also incredible. But this is even more special with the Heisman, the national championship, being in your backyard. Go watch the game. It'll be great. Let's talk football. We are guilty because we witnessed a murder yesterday. It was a bloody, gruesome, horrific murder. Any chance that Oklahoma had in that game went out the window by about, oh, I don't know, like the middle of the first quarter. Um you know, it probably went out the door as soon as Joe Burrow made that pass, that little floater pass to, to Terrace Marshall, that he was going out of bounds, and nobody in the right mind, especially from our vantage point, thought he was completing that pass. And sure enough, that is exactly what he did, and the route was on from there. 63-28 to 28 was the final, and it felt like it could have been much, much worse. I'm, not, mean, I'm really. not just saying this. I fully 1,000% believe this. If LSU and Joe Brady and Joe Burrow... And all of them, if they wanted to put up 100 points yesterday, they could have. I think they could have. I I, I'm really, not saying really that's a do. joke. They absolutely could have. I mean, that Burrow is. Did, Burrow didn't have any second half touchdown passes. He had seven in the first half. He had seven touchdowns in the first half. Seven. I, don't, I mean, like, so, it, was, it got to the point where, like, I haven't been in a lot of press boxes, as you know, but I know that you're not supposed to be very audible about a lot of stuff. You're not supposed to be, like, loudly saying things, making noises, like, you know, just for what, especially if it's, like, for your own team. I know that, but, like, we're sitting there, and it was. It just became this audible, loud laughter. The Are Thad Moss touchdown me? was everybody that, just started laughing. Everybody, like, that is, and I tweeted this out, this is what a laugher is. When we yeah. are watching something so lopsided that in the middle of it happening, we bust out laughing, it did not feel like a playoff game. And that was kind of the weird thing watching this is, you're like, ah, oh, this is just kind of one of those like early season lopsided non-conference games. I had to remind myself, Oh yeah, LSU by virtue of winning this game is playing for a national championship for the first time in eight years, and it's trying to win one for the first time in twelve years. So this this game just unfolded in a way that was so extreme, so much different than what we expected. You know, I threw out the the um, the over under for touchdown passes combined, or I guess it was just touchdowns combined for Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, and it was eight. And you're like, oh, that's pretty high. Yeah, I said under. Joe I was Burrow. like, under crazy. Joe Burrow at eight by himself. I mean, it was Joe. The craziest stat I think I have ever seen in in yes, in all my months, this. all my months of covering sports. <laughs> Joe Burrow yesterday had as many touchdowns he was responsible for as Matt Ryan has had in that same building all season long. I in mean, in Mercedes Benz in Atlanta, where the Falcons play eight home games per season. Joe Burrow had as many touchdowns responsible for in that one game yesterday as Matt Ryan has had all season. 
Justin Jefferson had four touchdown catches in this game in the first half, and he wanted the fifth badly. Like, he did not want to come out of that game. And he kept saying, said afterwards, he's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. They're taking me out now. Like, that's that's how locked in and confident he was that it, there was nothing that Oklahoma was going to do. And, you know, we knew that Oklahoma was dealing with the suspensions and they were dealing with injuries as oh, well. Don't and, start. But at the same time, there was nothing that that team could have done with full strength. And it was the fact that they were dealing with the, 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 all those different things that probably made it look as gruesome as it was to where you just knew that they didn't they, have an didn't answer. Matter. There was nothing. Like, there was, there was no response. Like, there was, my, my point with this is that LSU would have killed Oklahoma no matter what, no matter yep. what team they rolled out there. But there was nothing that Alex Grinch, the much you know much credited Oklahoma defensive coordinator, could do at halftime to be able to say this is how we're going to be able to fix this game plan. Like they bracketed Jamar Chase, they bracketed him, and then all they did was just go to Justin Jefferson, who had 18 targets in this game. Jamar Chase, after I said, you know, you guys made it. Look, I, I asked him, I'm like, you made it look easy. Like, did this game feel easier as you're out there? He's like, you know. And he said, you know, I, I don't regret what I said in, in the pregame about, you know, us having the, this this massive advantage and them having issues in the secondary and all They're these slow. things. Like, you, you, yeah, you just saw you just saw it. And, and if you bracket if you bracket me, all they're going to do is just go to Justin Jefferson. Like, try and stop us. Go ahead. Because just, Jamar Chase, the Blitnikoff winner, wasn't even a big factor in this game. They used him as the back Didn't have a guy. touch in the first half. <laughs> it didn't even right? matter. So here, here's the thing. And, and what, I've, what I've enjoyed seeing this, and I, I think a lot of fans have, and, and some purists, and when I say purists, I mean old people and boomers are going to say about this, is, is, is this thinly veiled coach speak and thinly veiled – attitude that LSU had for the first seven or eight games of the year before they went to Tuscaloosa, where they were like, you know, God willing, if we can do this, we, we, we're on a roll here. We got to keep working hard every week. When that when they went to Tuscaloosa and, and they beat Bama in Bama and they got that giant eight-year monkey off their back and you saw what Coach O said in that locker room and all that kind of yep. stuff, whether it made you mad or not, it was awesome. And when he what he, what that did for this team, it was like, oh boy, it's like on. now now it's on, it's on, and there's not a single team in this country that is gonna stop it. It's it's like listen, LSU's defense might get torched maybe against Clemson. I don't think that's gonna happen, but maybe that happens. There's not a single team that has lined up with 11 men on defense and 11 men on offense, and especially that 11 men on defense that has been able to line up against LSU and stop them for 60 straight minutes. And I know a lot of you are saying, Auburn did, Auburn did. You gave up 500 yards of offense. I get you lost by three. Congratulations. It was That's the best anyone's played them all year. Florida did a good job, too. They were getting credit in the first half, too. They I were. It was but, great. But, so, but like... When when you when you see this and you see this is what I kept saying beforehand. This is not the same Oklahoma defense that's done this and that, and it wasn't for twelve or thirteen games against the Big Twelve, where they had a top twenty-five nationally ranked defense, and we had a top they had the top defense overall in the Big Twelve, and that's fine. But the next time we spend thirteen weeks wasting our time, wasting as Will, our producer, put it, exercising. And burning off all those calories from Fox on Fox College Football, trying to tell us about how the Big 12, the Big 10, or whatever other conference is as good as the SEC. Y'all hold your breath, y'all y'all slow your roll, and y'all y'all pump the brakes on any of that bull. I'll say it, any of that bull, because we saw yesterday that this is this is still the SEC's world, and y'all are still living in it. And that's bottom line. 
Let me write down where I said the S word. Woo! It could have been worse. I mean, like seriously, imagine imagine those things. Perfect that segue, Joe, Connor. <laughs> Joe Burrow said, "Well, think of how dominant it was and how it just felt like LSU was just toying with him." I mean, just toying with him with a top four team again, again, again in that venue for for LSU to do that, it was it was mind boggling. And then when you step back and think, oh wait a minute, this stuff about Chase with Chase being bracketed and he really wasn't targeted very much at all, and oh Clyde Edwards-Helaire, the first team All SEC running back who was supposed to just be used in emergency situations, I even <laughs> tweeted out it truck didn't feel stick. like he was going to be used at all. And then he had the truck stick right after, but he still only had two carries for 14 yards. By the way. He did say after the game, it was pretty amazing that he was able to even get to that point where he was able yeah. to be on the field with how severe they thought the injury was. And he feels like he is going to be back at 100% for the national championship, which is great news. We're going to yeah. get to some more preview stuff later. But it just felt like a video game. It felt like a video game. And a, a video game that Oklahoma probably should have turned off. What did I say? What did I say on, on SDS Twitter? I said, this is like when you were a kid and your older brother would finally let you play Madden and then he just beat the brakes off you until you cried. That's yep. LSU. That's LSU. And we'll get into some of the stats later about how incredible they've been, not just in overall this season, because the numbers are staggering. And they get they get more and more impressive the more you look at them. But, like, I, I tell you what. In the, first, in the first drive of the game, when LSU decided not to take the ball, I was like, oh, God. That's Oklahoma's in trouble. Like it, they didn't want the ball first with this offense. You, you're gonna go on defense and let the Heisman runner up do whatever. Three plays, negative seven yards, and then and then you go kick the ball to Derek Stingley and then and deal with him and or Joe Burrow in that offense. And I tell you what, when Thad Moss said after the game, he said this was a this is maybe a top five or they might be the fifth best defense they played all year. Like. It, the, the the numbers I get all the numbers and maybe Oklahoma had a bad day. There was nothing. There was nothing you could do. At one point they showed Joe Brady in the press box and you could see him mouth the words, "They can't effing stop it. They can't eff, they can't effing do anything. Like there's nothing they can do to stop this." And it was very evident from early on that was the case. There was there was an LSU assistant who, as they were running through the tunnel after the game. He's just yelling. They play one double A football, boys. They play one double A football. I yeah, love it. I yeah. Love it. I mean that. But seriously, you know LSU. I thought kind kind of talked the talk for for what for some of the comments that came out. It's closer to game time about. Yeah. They just felt like they were going to dominate Oklahoma. And then you, you heard the, the the report where you know LSU assistants they they told I think it was they told the Athletic they told Ross Dellinger about how. You know, they thought that they were only going to be like the fifth best team uh, that they had faced all yeah. year. I mean, that that is the type of advantage that this was, and I, I think fifth might be uh, giving them a little bit more credit than they probably you know, deserved. And I will say this: the one the one part's lost in this, and and all you people that are going to freak out because you want to freak out, the Jalen Hurts part of this sucks. Yeah, it does. And I, does. this is not me saying because I'm a Bama fan or whatever the the seven sensitive people on here want to say. Like, this sucks. This is a this is a kid that who is responsible for more touchdowns in his four years, I believe, than anyone in 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 uh, what do you call it? Since he and, since he entered college football, I believe yeah. he's responsible for more touchdowns than anybody. Yes. Thank you for finishing that because I was going to say there something way off. Um, <laughs> but regardless, regardless, it, it was such an incredible career for him. Like you hate to see your career end with you running into an absolute buzzsaw that is this offense, but there's like listen. I don't think there's anything. I know there's a couple Ohio State fans that for whatever reason listen to this podcast. 
I don't think Ohio State was going to stop this defense, this offense. I don't know if Clemson's going so, to. And we're going to talk about that here in a little while. But like, you know, even I have I have all the numbers in front of me of what what this team was able to do against even the, like every single game, but also against the top the top ten games. I mean, you put it best. You you sat there and looked at me at one point in like the second quarter, I believe, and it, it never really got much worse or got much better. But like at one point, you look at me and you're like, they've played two top five teams, top four teams. In this building, in the same month, and they've outscored them at the at the end result. It was a hundred to thirty-eight. That is stupid. And we know how good Georgia's defense was. And I understand that a lot of people will chalk this up as well. Oklahoma doesn't play defense, and blah blah. They have all season. They gave up three hundred and thirty total yards per game, and that was that was the number one defense in the Big Twelve. But I tell you what, man, if you're an employee for Fox, whew, you got you got a long two weeks trying to trying to find you a new narrative. Who would you rather be right now, the Big Twelve or the Big Ten? Because oh man, it's it's, I, uh, it's tough. It's tough for both of those whack. conferences, right? Gosh, I mean, the 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 day that Oklahoma had was just such a deflating. We we have no like it wasn't just you know at least Ohio State I guess you could say like the Ohio State fans of course are going to point to the calls that were made in that game and you know we're not going to sit here and argue whether or not that was that was you know blown calls you know. Yeah. It's, but, but if you're a Big 12 fan, Oklahoma has been your lone representative in the playoff. I mean, we talked about the SEC has now had three different teams in the playoff. Yeah. Three different teams go to a national championship in the playoff era. Meanwhile, the Big 12 has just sent out Oklahoma every single time that it has made the playoff, and it has had this result. And you could even include, you know, lost in the shuffle of this is, is losing to Clemson as well in 2015. I mean, this is just Yeah, you absolutely can. What was pain? the score of that game? It was what thirty-seven to seventeen or something like that. So somebody put on Twitter ugly. last night. They said, "Vote here for your most embarrassing playoff team in the playoff era." Pat Forty like, had that. Yeah. Was it twenty fifteen Oklahoma, twenty sixteen Oklahoma, twenty seventeen Oklahoma, twenty eighteen? Or like I think it was a twenty sixteen, but twenty seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Like, yeah, man. Like, it, like, listen. And, and a lot of people want to say last year that they came back because of Kyler Murray and all that kind of stuff. You're down twenty-eight nothing before you blink. This year, they scored, they tied it up, and then it was like LSU was like, can you can you not? We're trying to make it easy on you. But think about how depressing that would be. And I guess maybe a little bit to a certain extent the Big Ten is going through this too. But at least, you know, Ohio State won it all in 2014. They won the yeah. first playoff. And they, they had a very good fighting chance hey, to beat the Clemson team. And they scored a point. And they scored a point. Big Ten scored a point for the Big first Ten. time in five years. But think about this. Think about being in Oklahoma's position. I know we're not, you know, this is an SEC podcast and all, but... Think about sending your best team out there, looking at these three quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts as a senior in this offense, and knowing that you just you haven't really had a chance. I guess the window Heisman, is open maybe in 2017. Heisman runner-up. What what are you gonna possibly do to get a chance in the playoff? What what like what can you what can you do at this point? Just hope that Texas gets really good all of a sudden. Well, I, I'll, tell you, I don't know. I'll tell you another thing that Danny Cannell said this, and it was stupid. And I love DK. But this was dumb. He said like Oregon would have put up a better fight, but they didn't. They weren't pretty enough for the committee, and that's no, fine. No, they didn't deserve it. No, they lost two. Yeah, they didn't deserve yeah. it because they lost two games. But at the same time, he's not wrong because Oregon would probably would have put up a better fight in the, against the Oklahoma. And, and you know, like we all season long, people talk about stuff like you know the SEC being overrated, or the Big Ten being overrated, and 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 I've said I've said several times this year that, but. The Big Ten top to bottom maybe maybe was better than the SEC. Off to a good start, yeah. They were yeah, and so they they they've got a lot of talented teams, but like when you look at we 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 have just just 
completely dismissed the Pac-12, right? Like, for the past several years, they play too far out west for us. They, they play too late. People don't want to stay up and watch the games, whatever. They've had this entire narrative built a, a, about them where the perception is they're not good enough to compete. At what point does the Big 12 deserve that narrative? Like, how, I, how many times do I have to watch Oklahoma piss their pants in public against an actually good team? I I don't disagree with you at all, and I, it, I usually try and show. stay away from that. But you're 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 not wrong, and I'm glad it's, that you it went is, there. It is it is the it is like the prettiest girl from across the room that when you get up there is like oh god, like just you know what I mean? There's just all sorts of issues and under like or like you go on a date with somebody and all of a sudden it's like hey your profile picture looks fantastic and you seem you got all your 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 bio and your about me it seems great and then you meet them and they're like. I got a boatload of daddy issues, and I might be balding. And then it's like, oh, well, yes. you know what? You deserve to be here. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't. Uh. Yeah, Oklahoma is uh, that. That's a very, very, very tough pill to, to swallow right now. Let's let's transition to a, a subject that let's let's be honest. Um, this subject meant a lot more than anything that happened on the field in Atlanta uh, on Saturday. And this is this is some hashtag real talk with. What Steve Ensminger had to deal with in finding out before the game via Coach O that his daughter-in-law, Carly McCord, was killed in a plane crash, uh, a plane that was uh, en route to Atlanta but had to make an emergency landing in Lafayette, Louisiana and crashed into a power line. The wife of Steve Ensminger Jr., um, just tragic, tragic circumstances. We didn't find out about this until we were talking to Mickey Shermie right before the game. And I was like, wait a minute, does, does everybody know about this? And you're wondering, I think we even said, we're like, there's no way he's going to coach in this game, right? I think mean, he's going to be there. I didn't, yeah, I thought he would have been, you know, out of town. And there are a lot, there were some people who wanted to, you know, Death Twitter is, Death Twitter is the worst. Let me just, let me just get out there death, and say that. See, death Twitter? Death Twitter is, is the worst because people shame people for how they act when somebody dies. Or they, oh my God, they, they yeah. They try and just it's, get everyone, likes and retweets Everyone acts it. different, man. Yeah, so... I, I, I want to try and put some some perspective on this, just because this was a it was a huge story yesterday, and there were Did a lot of movie shame parts them of it. For this? No, I mean there were people who were wondering like why why was he coaching like why wasn't he like with his family or something like that like have your priorities in check. And it's like, well here's God, here's what we know, you. here's what we know. Steve Ensminger told Coach O before the game. He said right after he found out about this this just unbelievable tragedy to, to yeah. have to hear about before the biggest game of your life that you're coaching. And Spinger t- tells Coach Joey, he says, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. This is this is what I know how to do. I, I, I want to be coaching for this team. I'm here for this team. And asking his players afterwards what that meant to them because they right. didn't find out about it until after the game. Joe Burrow didn't even find out about it until he was doing the post-game interview with, with our guy, Dari Noka, who we had on this podcast last week. And Dari came out and, yeah. and apologized for it and said, look, this was a, a, a national story that had been talked about for four or five hours, and we, you know, didn't even occur to us that that players weren't, you know, didn't, didn't have this on their minds throughout this game. So it wasn't necessarily like, a, oh, we're going to win this for – for coach for coach E as as everybody calls him, but just so many different things that went into this, and you you just feel for the guy. I mean, every time they showed him on you know on the broadcast, it seemed like he, he was at kind of a loss for words. And there were a lot of people who tried to put some some perspective on 
uh, on the day that was for him, and it, and it was difficult. And I, you know, I, I kind of stood from afar and watched him as LSU celebrated this, celebrated this crowning achievement. And as the confetti's falling, and Coach O is announcing that Steve Ensminger is getting the game ball and all that stuff, yeah. you know, Colin Baton Rouge comes on, and the party begins for LSU. And Ensminger just kind of walks off the field and walks in the tunnel like I by himself. I was wondering what they the were saying because I couldn't hear it. Okay, and it. Just kind of watching that and like watching what could have possibly going on, been going on in his head. And for LSU to still have that kind of a day, it just kind of made you feel like different different things were at play there. i tell you what, man. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you said that, Connor. Sports are so damn cool. Sports are just so, they are the, the absolute freaking best, man. They, I mean, like, and, and I, tell, I, I don't think any of our listeners are saying this. And if you were, like, just, you, you should hear this. And what Connor said, like, everyone handles things differently. Everyone does. Okay? Like, we joke around about it on here all the time. I'm in therapy, like, I and I have been for three years. That doesn't make me a lesser person than anyone else. Or, like, how I handle stuff is different than how Connor handles stuff or how you handle stuff or anything. Like, it's not our job to judge what this man did or what he does moving forward or how he feels because we don't know that. That's not any of our damn business. Like, so, and, and again, I don't, I don't think that our listeners were doing that at all necessarily. I'm just, I'm just probably maybe preaching to the choir on this one, but it's, it's one of those things where that is, that is sad, sad to hear because at the, at the essence of what happened, like what, and I think something that happens with social media a lot now is we lose sight of the actual core, like our core values for one, but then also the core of like, of what's really going on, of, of like the actual tragedy, of like the actual thing that was taken away from somebody, and that was somebody's life at a young age. Like it's not, it's not our job to then immediately d- dissect how this person behaves or what t- is the next thing to move on and what they should be doing from far away. It's just not. And and I th- I hate when when stuff like this happens and tragedy happens and the last thing that gets remembered is the person that that passed away. And so I, I think that. LSU as a whole, Steven Zinger as a person yesterday, absolutely tremendous job and, and courageous job of being in the face of that and still moving forward. Because I tell you what, man, we sat there and watched it and heard about it, and it, it brought it, it like it was like somebody just like punched me in the chest, man. It was like and yeah. I think we were we were just so taken aback by it. I don't know how you do that for the next four or five hours. I mean, I, no, I don't. I've, it just it was it was incredible. It was an incredible, incredibly courageous thing to to watch, and um, you know, thoughts and prayers, obviously, to his family and and moving forward. But um, yeah, man, that that was that's I don't wish that on anybody. So I don't know if I've if I've said this, and this is a, a very different scenario, and I'm not painting myself to be in, in you know dealing with what Steve Ensminger yeah. had, had to go no. through or, or the McCord family or, or anybody. Um, but you know, a couple of years ago, when we actually first started doing this podcast. It was right after my dad died. I mean, really yeah. raw. Like two, three weeks, I think, after was our first episode that we ever did together. And I, for the about three months, was in a creative fog where I just yeah. had nothing. And I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions. And, and what with what we do on a daily basis, we have to be creative. Our job be on. is to be creative. We have to be on a lot. And we have to be coming up with new ideas and new ways to dissect things. And football just did not feel that important. Yeah. I knew that was coming. My dad had cancer. He had dealt with three bouts of cancer, and I had time to emotionally prepare myself for right. his death, which was the day after Christmas. Steve Ensminger was delivered this news, this stunning news that there was nothing that you can possibly prepare yourself for. And then he went out and called, he and Joe Brady called one of the best games that you'll ever see. 
Yeah. And for that to happen and for him to, to be able to to kind of lock into that moment and to not you know not necessarily you know allow that to and nobody would have faulted him if it did. Nobody no. whatsoever would have faulted him if he had been overcome with emotion or if he said to Coach O, you know what, I need to just be with my family right now. I, I hate I'm not trying to bail on you or anything like that, but this this is just I, I'm not in the right headspace. But for him to to be able to do that, I have no idea the brain capacity that, that it takes to be able to, to flip on that switch Dude, or whatever the it's the emotional capacity. Gosh. I mean, just, like, and again, just an incredible, incredible job by them. And, and i tell you what, and this is not, I, I, like, this is not taking away from the thing that Innsminger did just by sharing your story. That's still, like, an incredibly brave thing you did, too. But, man, we've been saying this. I didn't think it was going to become a theme for this season, but, like, I mean, tell the ones that you're close to, like, you love them, man, because it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it, and there's so many things that matter so much more than than the stuff that, that we talk about 95% of the time, and that's obviously football and Frozen 2, so. Yeah, Frozen 2, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we joke around with it might mean too much and stuff yeah. like that, but, I mean, this is this is stuff that's just way beyond that. What, what Steve Ensminger is going to go through in these next couple weeks, and well beyond that, because death doesn't have, you know, that that doesn't just stop. It, it is no. an ongoing process that that people people have to deal with, and I I just I, I can't say enough about the job that he did. And, and it doesn't even matter if if it was Joe Brady calling this player, that player, whatever. The fact that he would still be willing to be there with his team and present was just an incredible thing. And and certainly certainly talking to players after that game, you got the impression that they absolutely appreciated it, and they know what he means to this program. Coach O said that that Ensminger yeah. is the MVP of this whole thing. He said that back before this game, before any of this stuff ever happened. He said for this dynamic and this whole team to work, he has been the MVP because if he had gotten his ego in the way, none of this is really able to happen the way that he is. So he knows Well, and there's a reason why Coach O would have sought out him. Like, you don't... We talk about, like, lame duck coaches all the time. Like, this is not a lame duck OC where it's just like, well, Joe Brady's pulling the strings and Inzvinger's just kind of there as, like, a favor. It's not... It's obviously not like that. This whole thing... Everyone has been like a, a, a important piece of, you know, this whole formula that's led to the season. Now, I will say, transitioning out of that, let's channel all of all of the sad. And I, I'm better at this than you. No offense, bro. I'm just letting you know right now. That's fair. That's let's fair. channel the sad into anger. And let's talk about Clemson and the national championship game. This is the matchup that we deserve. I I, th- I I really think it is. The more the more I think about it, and don't get me wrong, Ohio State would have been great. Yeah. There would have been a lot of a lot of fun elements. I would have already been sick of the Joe Burrow went to Ohio State. That would have been a news update for for Did Colin you know Cowherd, though. Yeah, Colin Cowherd would have found out. Um, a couple of lazy an incredible season well. for Joe Burrow. Gosh, that was my Cowherd. That's all I could do. That wasn't very good. That was, you know, good. It was it's much fine. better impressions than that. I was just moving sure. my mouth way too much because that's how he always talks. Like, Ugh, I hate I hate him. Anyway, moving yeah. on. We find out that LSU, and I was discussing this in the press box at halftime. That lets you know how close of a game this was. Yeah. Um, LSU is already a favorite between three and a half and five points, depending on where you look. What's the four? You, you, your guess was your initial guess was four. Okay. And yeah. Did you guess that after Clemson won or while that game was no, still going on? No. While Clemson won, I thought it'd be four. Okay. And if you just consider how amazing that feat is in itself, Clemson, who has won 29 games in a row. Um, it has dominated, just dominated teams, and just beaten Ohio State team that was one of the most dominant teams we've ever seen in the regular season. For LSU to be favored, I, I, I agree. LSU absolutely should be. I thought they were going to be even bigger. If I'd been I been guessing the spread, surprised. it would have been. 
If I had done guess the spread, it would have been a full touchdown. So I was surprised with this strictly because of the fact that when you look at, hold on, <coughs> excuse You're me, guys. There it is. Um, when you look at this from a standpoint of like, not just the Clemson swing, I know, but like, I think everyone thought Ohio State was gonna be favored against Clemson. Yeah, right? and I was surprised that that Clemson actually ended up being. I don't know what the final line was, but I think two there and were a half. Three, Okay, yeah. But the money line was plus one fifteen because there's so much money. It was it was Bears said this on game day. It was the most bet mm-hmm. college football game in the history of college football. I I mean I had money on Clemson. Um, I actually hedged to be on the safe side to make sure I would still win. But oh, I had boy. I because I had big parlay money on on Clemson, so I, I I had a good day yesterday. I was gambling in the press box. I don't, I don't know if we should. Yeah, you that. were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that first I had the first half under and the first quarter under for LSU. Neither here nor there. This game though. Like now we're gonna hear it for two straight weeks. We talked about like this was this as this game was winding down, I started to get like almost physically ill thinking of the next two weeks in the lead up. Because I one, I didn't know who I wanted to lose more because I hate both teams. I I I just I flat out you guys, a lot of people will accuse me of, of teams that I hate. I will tell you unequivocally, there's no two teams besides maybe Notre Dame that I hate more in this country than Clemson and Ohio State. And trying to pick a team to win that game, that sucked for one. Two, then thinking of the buildup, like, because all I can think of is if Ohio State beats beats Joe Burrow, that's sad. If Clemson beats LSU, it is going to be the most insufferable offseason any of us have ever gone through, ever. Dabo's going to be awful. It is amazing that Clemson has won 29 straight games and is a underdog in this game. But am I crazy, for like you said, for thinking especially after what we saw yesterday, that Clemson is has won 29 straight games and should be a bigger underdog than they are to LSU. It's not crazy. And I'm gonna, I don't care if, I, if this is not being suspenseful, suspenseful or whatever. I'll give away my pick right now. It's LSU's year. I think it's LSU's year. I'm not picking LSU to lose this game. I've seen it too many times at this point. We've now seen LSU play top 10 teams three times this year. Three times this year. That, no, hold on. And it just gets more and more top, dominant every single top time. Top 10 now. We've seen them play six top team, six games this year against top 10 teams No, at I mean, like, time. we've witnessed in person. Oh, me and you person. Okay, me cool. And you person. Glad, I, yes. glad I cut you off on that, though. Yes. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and just every single time, every week, I just come away thinking, this is LSU's year. This every single thing leading up to this point suggests that LSU is going to be the team standing atop that podium in New Orleans in front of a drunken, drunken hometown crowd. Home there is game, baby. No doubt about Woo! how drunk that crowd is going to be. New Orleans just bring in all the alcohol, and I understand New Orleans. New Orleans has hosted big time events. They've hosted the Super Bowl. Like that, they're Your used food to it. Tour. This isn't, my food tour, which Bachelor was crazy parties. drunken. Yes, yes, all of those things. I I don't know if there's anything quite like this combination of this this LSU crowd, which, as we found out, uh, sold the team hotel out of alcohol more than twenty. It was like roughly twenty four hours advance of bottled beer. Yeah, like to be able to do that. I, hey, and challenge and yourselves, guys, because I think I think New Orleans. I don't think I've ever heard of them running out of alcohol. But challenge yourselves. Challenge you yourselves. It's the you last game of the season. I, I will say that the only way this could ever be bigger is if the Saints were in the Super Bowl in New Orleans as well. 
Like I, I think I think that's honestly the only way. And I don't I don't know if that's necessarily bigger because this is I, this has felt like LSU's year. This has been such an incredible run to watch, and they get to go in their backyard an hour away from home and play for a national championship, and then beat a team that is just, I mean, less likable than hemorrhoids, man. I don't. We, yeah, they're the can worst. Can we discuss something about Clemson though? And I don't know if you're going to agree or disagree with this, but. Something that I thought, uh, it, my, my perspective changed after the events that happened last night where Clemson actually beat a quality opponent. You had tweeted out before about how exciting it was to finally see Clemson play a quality team. And, you know, credit to Clemson because they came that, out on top. And that but was exciting, was it not? It was exciting. It made you feel like the game actually mattered and it wasn't just a September noon game on ESPN2. Yeah. So... I think that we should put to bed the narrative about Clemson's strength of schedule at this point, and here's why. It's not that Clemson hasn't done everything in its power to get to this point, and what LSU has done has been more impressive because of their schedule. I agree. But that will not matter when that ball is snapped. It will not. It simply no, will not. Fine. And if that is the justification for Clemson is the more Clemson is the isn't as battle tested, therefore LSU is going to win that game. I think that's kind of weak because I think that all goes out the window when you have a team that has played in not what Does will it? be for the last five national championships. I think it would did be Bama different. Did Bama look battle-tested when they played Clemson last year? When they got punched in the mouth? Did that did that look different than the rest of the 14 games they played? Right, so it didn't matter. That's what I'm saying. Clemson, no, it, did, it did matter because they, they, they obviously hadn't faced a team like that. Well, Alabama was more battle tested than Clemson, though. That's what I'm saying. Last year? Last year. If you look at this, if you look at the, the quality of wins that, that Clemson had last year compared to Bama. I'm saying when they Bama... got punched in the mouth and they, they were not ready to face that kind of team, like Clemson, that that type of defensive front, that type of defense, it obviously mattered. They were not, in the same way, Clemson is not faced and they're not ready to face anything like what they're going to see on the field January 13th against this LSU team. Has anybody? It matters. Had? That's the question. So no. unless unless you have already faced LSU, there's there's just no prepping for it. There's there's nothing because I think Ohio State covering Ohio State's receivers is a very very different ball game than trying to stick with LSU's receivers, especially when a play breaks down and Joe Burrow does that little slip thing that I just I, I love it when he he does that thing where he steps up in the pocket and he did it on I think it was the fourth touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson yeah. whatever it was. When he just steps up in the pocket and he keeps the play alive and he says, "Nope, I'm going to have a receiver open." Just they continue to to run to to run and, and make plays, even though the play is broken down. Clemson has not had to defend anything like that. I agree with that 100. percent My my point is being that like now I feel like all this comes down to not necessarily you know a game that happened three months ago. We're not talking about resumes and stuff like that anymore. It's this matchup. And there is one thing though that if I'm an LSU fan. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire specifically, that I'm looking at and I'm going, yes, let's go. J.K. Dobbins dominated Clemson. If J.K. Dobbins is healthy that entire game and his ankle doesn't flare up in what was it? I guess it was, I think it was the third quarter. I think that might be a little bit of a different ending because Ohio State's offense was just halted. But J.K. Dobbins still had, what, like 200 yards from scrimmage, something like that. And Clemson really, yeah. really struggled to tackle him. If Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is right in that game, that is a big, big, big advantage because we know that Clemson is going to want to do everything in their power to shut down the LSU passing game, and I'm not saying that they're going to be able to do that. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with a head of steam, even if he doesn't have a fully healthy hamstring as we saw yesterday, is still a very scary sight. 
No, I agree. And and I will say the best the best matchup we're going to see. Because I do think, especially after watching last night, I think this Clemson defense is the best defense in the country. I, I, just with what the people they have on that defense, the people they have returning from last year's defense, obviously not the D-line, but like they're so talented. They're, there's five stars all over the field, and Brent Venables is just he's an incredible coordinator. I'm excited to see that secondary from LSU versus this receiving core from from uh, what do you go from LSU? I'm sorry, yeah. there's the demons, the secondary from LSU against this receiving core from Clemson. Because I think what we saw last night, or what I saw at least last night from Clemson's standpoint, is you've got five star guys all over the field. You got T Higgins, you got Justin Ross, all that kind of stuff. There's phenomenal athletes all over the field on the offense at the skill position, especially out wide at receiver. What you don't have, and this is what I'm talking about when it matters when you go into the 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 full a full resume you're right like they don't have to keep talking about the strength of schedule being different because this is the final game of the year we're not we're not comparing full resumes but when you do look at what you've done against those against those teams on that resume i think that's where it matters when you've when you faced adversity as much as lsu has consistently it doesn't phase you as much and clemson tip of the cap they came in last night i, I sat there beforehand i was like this looks like this feels like trevor lawrence generational talent number one quarterback in the country ever like coming out of high school, this feels like one of those things where he's gonna have to go out there and win, and they're gonna come back because he got all these five star guys. The physicality of those receivers, you're they're in trouble. They are in trouble because there's no way they could barely they could barely physically get through that game against Ohio State. Justin Ross had to limp off the field three separate times last night. They could barely get out of that game physically, like after sixty minutes. They are in for a world of 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 hurt. Against against LSU. So you're saying advantage goes to Derek Stingley, Christian Fulton, Grant Delby, yep. uh, Jacoby Stevens, these guys who we've talked about a lot this year. And I, I think played played pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, made the key plays. And uh, Jalen Hurts did not have an accurate game from a, from a passing standpoint. No. But, I mean, I, I thought their run discipline was much better than I thought yeah. it was going to be. And you need to be able to do that against Clemson. And the big thing that I keep coming back to, and this is what else you can learn from Bama and Ohio State, you can't leave those opportunities out there. You just no. cannot do it because Clemson is too good. You leave that window just cracked slightly open because Bama last year, their their thing where they left points on the board was all those third and shorts where it was such yeah. an atypical thing to watch Bama not be able to impose its will at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and just pick up one or two yards. They weren't able to do that in those key spots last year. And for Ohio State, it was all these trips that they had to the red zone where they weren't converting with touchdowns. And then if they, you know, throw in the interception at the end of the game, you cannot, you know, you can point to the officiating all you want, but if you're going to squander opportunities like that against Clemson, it's going to come down to something like that. Oh, you can't allow that. Make no mistake about it. Clemson was the better football team last night, not Ohio State. His that, that athletic director Gene Smith and and Ryan Day who Gene looks Smith like a is the worst. Can we just can we say that Gene no, Smith is the worst? No, he's he's not the worst. The worst three things I saw from from last night was one Gene Smith's post game comments and and it's hilariously ironic that it was the SEC officials that were on the field. But Gene Smith's comments, Urban Meyer on the sideline and his typical BS Urban Meyer hands on on knees like stare. And Ryan Day acting like a petulant child running up and down the sidelines, screaming and hollering about every single call. Like, you could tell that that his attitude about this team, he didn't want he did not want any part of playing Clemson before that game. They they wanted as a team, if LSU you saw this after they, they announced the finals, like, who are we playing? That's fine. We'll go play anyone, anywhere. And they and you could tell LSU means it with a guy like Coach O at, at, at as head coach. 
The moment Ryan Day and Ohio State got Clemson, you heard the thing about being disrespect. It wasn't being them feeling disrespected with like a chip on their shoulder. It was, oh man, we got to play Clemson. And you got beat by Clemson. And regardless of all the bad calls or whatever else you think happened, you had 94 yards of, of field to defend with a minute and however many to go, and you couldn't do it. And you know what? Not only could you not do it, you couldn't do it in four plays. I mean, like that's embarrassing. I don't, don't like, and that's again our our buddy Will, our producer, who, who made the comment about all, all these people running that mouth and burning them calories, talking about how great that win against Cincinnati was in September, and how great this resume was that Ohio State put up. You had to go play in the big game. You got beat, and you had every chance to win that game. And now, where that's different now, I, I will say Trevor Lawrence. As much as I talk about the physicality of his receivers, Trevor Lawrence showed me more than than I ever knew I, he could show me last night. I didn't know he could run that fast, first off. Dude can jet. He, he can float, man. athletic. Let me be the no. first to say. <laughs> <laughs> but 6'6", 220, taking a beating from those guys. Taking a beating from those guys. That was impressive as well. I will say, ETN also is still impressive. I love it. that They have a lot of positive things about them. I, where I think it's going to matter is this. And we talked about LSU has played. We won't compare resumes. Fine. But when you look at the numbers they've had this season, we offensively, outstanding. 59 total touchdowns for Joe Burrow. Okay? Maybe he should have been taken out a little bit early in that game yesterday. Maybe not. A lot of, yeah, of armchair coaches and quarterbacks that were back in Starkville in November. Anyway, this is the numbers he's put up on season on average, and this is why I think it's important. 394 yards per game. 372 passing yards per game. Uh, an average of... 26 and a half completions per game, 34 attempts, so it's basically 77 point something uh, completion percentage. NCAA record. 55 passing touchdowns, 59 total touchdowns, uh, six interceptions, right? Here's the top, in, in 14 games, those are his numbers, six of those games, which is, if you're keeping score at home, 43% of their games have come against teams in the top 10. And that's saying top 10 at the time, but Auburn, Florida, Texas, Bama, uh, UGA, and Oklahoma. So only two, three of those teams are outside of the uh, top ten now, and they're still, and, and five of the six are still in the top thirteen. Here's his numbers against those teams in the top ten: 422 total yards per game. That's more than his season average. 388 or 387 passing yards per game. That's more than his season his total average. Almost 29 completions per game. That's more. Averaging four touchdowns per game, because he's had 24 touchdowns in six games, 22 passing touchdowns, only two interceptions. His completion percentage against top 10 teams, Connor, 77.8%. The bigger the game, the less phase he's become. They've, they've seen it six times. They will, they will now close out their season against seven of their 15 teams that they face all year will be top 10 teams. That's outrageous. Joe that Burrow is outrageous. Did not, he didn't want to talk about the seven touchdown passes in the first half. He wanted to just talk <laughs> about January 13th. That's it. He just wanted to talk about the national championship game. He said that wasn't his his best game because I, I apparently he left some throws up for grabs too much and a better team would have taken advantage. I, I don't know. I don't know what that what that is necessarily. But, yeah, all the numbers that you look at for LSU, it just feels like it's going to be too much for Clemson. And I, I think that... Watching this team again in person puts it all in perspective. It feels like LSU's movie. It, it does. I think, though, that either team who wins this game 
and you might disagree with this, that's okay, that's fine. I'm saying this ahead of time because last year when I said it about Clemson, it had some people kind of raise their eyebrow and the timing of when I said it was after the Alabama game, obviously, where Clemson you know, won its second consecutive playoff game in convincing fashion. All-time team, I think, is I'm in not, play for, for one of these teams. I'm not doing this. I hate this argument so much. LSU, LSU's case is obvious, is, would be obvious theoretically just because of their resume. And if they are going to beat a team that has won 29 straight games and go 15-0 and like this, yeah. that would be a ridiculously good accomplishment. And then Clemson, for Clemson to potentially beat Ohio State and LSU, and then to beat LSU in New Orleans, to do it in that fashion and to win, obviously they're no, strength because that's, that's when you have to bring up the resume. Because it's like you, they, they, they just literally sleptwalked for 12 games, played their first ranked team. I don't give a blank about it. I mean, they didn't sleepwalk. They, they dominated those games still. After sure, the Connor. Game. They did against the worst strength of schedule out of any of the top 11 candidates that were trying right. to compete for the, the college football playoff. Like, like, in the same way that I'm not going to I'm not gonna look at UCF as one of the greatest undefeated teams ever. Yeah, but UCF didn't get a chance play to play one of those two teams. They didn't get a chance to play one of those two teams cool. in the playoff, so if they, that's what if changes they, it. This is, I hate this argument so much already because, it, one, the game hasn't happened. Two, if Clemson did this, you cannot look at that schedule and be like, this is one of the greatest teams of all time. They played three tough games. And if they will, if they if they would have won all three of those games, I think that's at least that at least needs to be in the discussion somewhat. But we can discuss that another time. That's fine. I know you don't want to dig into that. That's that's totally fine. Just thought let's it talk about to Kyle Trask and his hype train before we talk about that. Let's, I'll say that you are not a fan of the Kyle Trask hype <laughs> because train. it had nothing to do with the game. It did. Kyle all Trask right, is playing talk the about, game. Let me talk about Texas Pete. Let me talk about Texas Pete. Um, <laughs> one thing that I and Bay are giving up uh, for the New Year's. We got New Year's resolutions coming up. Um, we're gonna do the no. We're gonna do sober January. No, I don't think there's like a cool. There's like no shave November or whatever that is. Uh, we're gonna do no drink January. That also doesn't roll off the tongue. Regardless, no. tell you one thing that is not gonna suffer from that. Like my liver will look great. Uh, hopefully, I'll drop some pounds. But I'm gonna lose out on all the fun. Uh, of you know that comes along with with toasting to your friends. One thing that I'm not gonna lose out on is flavor, because what I'm not giving up on is Texas Pete. January first, diet starts for the wedding. Uh, one of the most staple staple things in my diet is gonna be Texas Pete, because it's gonna be a lot of bland food, a lot of stuff that I'm not gonna want to eat, a lot of kale. I don't even know what that is, guys. What's that fancy lettuce? I don't know. Regardless, all I'm gonna do is be putting Texas Pete literally on everything. And you can too. And if you do, because there's still a couple of tailgates left this season, make sure you take pictures. Maybe you're cooking up some chicken and some black-eyed peas and some collard greens for New Year's and having a little tradition, stuff like that. Make sure you're taking pictures with your Texas Pete, whatever you're using in your in your ingredients for your recipes, and use the hashtag sauce like you mean it. Um, yeah, 2020, there's a lot of things we're going to leave behind in 2019. Hopefully all of your hot takes about the greatest team ever. One thing we're going to take with us. All I said was in the discussion. I didn't say that it definitively would be. I just said it deserved to be in the discussion. Close it out, Connor. Little, by the way, yesterday, so um, when we consumed uh, a combined, I think our final total was six Chick-fil-A sandwiches that we had. You know, here's the thing, and I think people don't understand how impressive this is, is that like we talked about all the records Joe Burrow set, but nobody talks about the important records. I had four on my own. Of Chick-fil-A sandwiches? I had two. I had two... Yeah, so we hit the over hard. I had two 
uh, ice cream sundaes. I had, I think I said I had nine mini calzones, and they were super mini, guys. They were like they were ones. very mini. They were not full but on calzones. I guarantee you, I had, uh, I had roughly fifteen. I set a lot of records in that, in that booth yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday they didn't have Chick-fil-A sauce. So what do I do? A little Texas what? Pete. A little Texas Pete go. right on top. Boom. That's the way to do it. Let's close out with it might mean too much. Darren Ravel, as you may or may not have heard from earlier <laughs> this episode, had a certain tweet about an LSU fan who spent $54,407 on tickets at the 50-yard line for the title game. That's for seven total tickets, so that's like eight grand a pop. Pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah. Decent, decent chunk of change to be able to spend on watching your team. Presumably, we assume that this is an LSU fan who did this because LSU fans are the only people crazy enough to actually do this. Um, yeah. To do that for a game, tip of the cap. I want to know what their a what their tailgate setup is like. B, can I come? Do you have flaming yeah. on? C, can I come? Please let me come. Um, this tailgate would be probably off the chain. The most money you have ever spent on a ticket, and I guess that includes selling your car to be able to go to the SEC championship. Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. Oh, I knew you were going to. I thought of this earlier today. So three fifty was what it cost for that ticket. I spent four forty or four twenty for a pair, four twenty five for a pair of tickets once. That's you mean like per ticket or total? I guess per ticket. Per ticket's fine. It's probably three fifty. Because I, I didn't go to like the Natties I went to for free. Um, the Orange Bowl last year was two hundred bucks. No, so so last year after I won the game show, <laughs> after I won the game show last year, and I was hood rich for real, the real hood rich. I dropped about four hundred a piece on Iron Bowl tickets for me and Bay, and had a blast. That's pretty good. That's yeah. more. That, that's definitely more than I've ever spent. I, I think if I'm being honest. I think the most I've ever spent on a game is only like 120 bucks, and I'm, <laughs> I, I that's nothing. That is absolutely nothing. Yeah, the first Bama Auburn game I ever went to, my dad bought season tickets for the 1998 season, just for the tickets to the, to the the Auburn game. So we they literally sent us in the mail the season ticket package for Tide Pride, where you have an entire sheet of your season tickets of every single home game, and we just had to throw out like BYU, that's gone. Law Tech, that's gone. Like Arkansas, all those home games just gone. And then just had these two Bama Auburn tickets. You yeah, live, I've, bro. I've done the season ticket thing before, though. That's different, though, because then the breakdown isn't quite, you know, like 200 bucks a game. I did yeah. season tickets back in college for, you know, Indiana basketball. And that's, that's no, a little I'm, bit. Little but did you there. buy the entire season ticket package just for the last game? Like the other six no. home games already been played. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was, it was like we got them like two days before the Auburn game. I think that it would be very difficult if it'd be difficult for me at this point in my life to spend more than like 200 bucks on a ticket just because, and I say this knowing, I say this knowing that I am very, very spoiled with this job and the opportunities that we get, we didn't pay a dime for anything that we did yesterday because that, that was work. That was work for us. Um, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but that that whole experience like we get a lot of these these opportunities we are very very fortunate in this field so like my my justification for it is that like i have teams that i like to see obviously like i have my teams i would love i've spent the the most i probably spent was that those cubs tickets but there's not a lot that would really want to make me spend that kind of money if the bears were in the playoffs would i all of a sudden go to chicago so i can see another double doink no um there's just not a lot in my life fan 
No, and I think that's what I've come to realize is that because because I consume so much of this for work, I guess spending that, you know, I, at this point in my life, if I'm if I'm being honest and I'm, I'm gonna get crap for this, I'd probably rather spend that money on, on a trip or something like that to go somewhere if we're gonna go away, like for a weekend at St. Augustine or something one, like Connor. that. Take go ahead. <laughs> Did you say St. Augustine? I love St. Augustine, it's a great place. <laughs> okay, so now think about this. You said you'd rather spend on a trip. Imagine that trip I know. Involves one of these games. I don't, I mean, I, like, like, I tell you what, th- there is, me and Allie, like, she's been very firm about how much I'm allowed to spend, which the answer is zero, on the national championship game. And I was like, why? Because I have, I have, I have one of my best friends, Rich You Chinovsky, question that? Oh, man. No, 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 just listen. So she said, so my, one of my best friends, Rich Chinovsky, he's a diehard Florida State fan for some reason. He, he bought a hotel room just in case. For the start of this game, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's all because he thought Florida State was going to make it, but he has a hotel room in in New Orleans for the championship game. We have free flight to get out there, so transportation, hotel covered. How do you all free I, flight? Oh, don't worry about it. All I need is a ticket. All I need is a ticket. I got dude. I got hookups everywhere. Don't even start with me. Yeah, I got so many people I used to work with that work for airlines now because they they made that seamless transition from bartending to. Being a hostess, or not a hostess, but a, you know, a flight attendant. That is so, true. I guess we did got... stay with one of your former coworkers <laughs> yeah. in New Orleans, so that makes sense. Well, she's she's different. She has, I mean, she she actually just got engaged, so congratulations, Ray oh, Vitale, die, diehard Clemson fan. Um, but they they run festivals. like They run the entire weekend events for the National Championship game. They're not doing it. She's not doing the halftime show this year. But regardless, th- like, there's always a way to hook up. I just need to get tickets. But I told Allie, I was like, I just, if I can get tickets, she's like, Chris, we have a wedding... In less than four months, you want to go to a national championship game that's not only a team that isn't Alabama, but a team that's literally a rival of Alabama, and you want to go <laughs> to this game. She's like, I'm not signing off on that. And I, like when she said that, I think it might have been the first time I ever uh, heard my significant other say, I'm not signing off on that. And I actually realized, like, oh, I do need you to sign off on that. Yeah. Because we, we have a wedding to plan. But I, but I will say... I mean, I already put the feelers out there for our bosses, too. I was like, if I can get this expensed. And they were like, yes, yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, happen. So if anyone has tickets, you let us know. You know, I mean, the, the best best chance I think I have right now is showing up, going to Harrah's, see how much I can win at Harrah's on the craft table. Go. You and then, that. Th- then that way it's still free. So we'll see what happens, guys. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd spend like 500 bucks on... Uh, I, you know what? I, I take that back. I would spend 500 bucks on going to like a, a bucket list place or something like that. Uh, that would be tough to, to kind of justify, um, you know, given the, yeah, you know, we'd, we'd have to have a serious, serious talk, my wife and I, about that. Um, I don't know if that would really go over well, but I would definitely. I would spend, I would spend a grand on tickets to the Rose Bowl. If Bama was playing a national championship, yeah, I would, I would, I would yeah, spend that. You're right. You're right. I would, I would do it for the Rose Bowl, but it, have, it would have to be somewhat convenient, like we've got flight taken care of already yeah. or something like that. Because spending all that money just to watch a random game for teams that I'm not a fan of, like, I, I'm sorry, that just wouldn't. We cover college football for a living, Connor. I know, I'm not fans of It doesn't of, matter for friends. I mean, like, I, and I, I tell you what, like, I, I get what you're saying, too, and I'm not, I'm obviously not a, LSU's not my team, but I would I would love to go see this. This is wild, man. Oh, I know, I would see, This is so special, I, and you don't get to see this all the time every single year in sports. This would be awesome. Absolutely. Let's close out uh, with a reminder that Marler is climbing up the standings of our college bowl main right. group. <gasps> um, Marler is celebrating. 
I don't know what he's celebrating because it's 4:15 on a Sunday, which means he's gambling on the NFL, and he just got a very, very lucky backdoor One, cover. The the Falcons, the Falcons field goal to tie it up as, as time ran out. I had the uh, team total over of 24 and a half points. Pick six to win in overtime, 28 total points, and the Falcons win. Have yourselves a blessed Sunday. Close it out, Connor. I watched that game for about two minutes while I was eating lunch today, and I happened to see a Jameis Winston interception. Surprise? No, definitely not. You did, you did it. Uh, make sure if you have not yet, for some reason, join our Facebook group. Have a lot of fun over there, as always. Saturday Down South podcast on Facebook. Make sure that you are watching Facebook Live with Marler, which TBD on those announcements. I'm not going to force you to come up with something just yet. It's a little bit awkward because we've got the bowl season is in full swing right yeah. now. We're going to be. Uh, I'll be at the, oh. the Citrus Bowl on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Go ahead. I've got one for you. If you haven't, if you haven't followed us on Instagram. Follow Saturday on South on Instagram, please. I say that every episode. Queso's, and I'm just saying, Queso's fired up right now about this. I really need it. Trying to get to 150,000 before the end of the year. That's been my goal. And we're at 149, like 250 or something. We'll get there. We'll get there. No doubt about that. Follow us on Twitter as well, at the SDS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara. Marler, Coach O. Uh, we didn't get to hear from Coach O today. He's, uh, he's and we're not going to hear from him now. Guys, it is the end of the year. It's been a fantastic year. This is the last one we're recording for 2019. Stay blessed. Love each other. You guys have been fantastic. You make this job so much, so much fun. We love you all very much. And we hope all of you have a very safe and happy New Year's and New Year's Eve and a happy and blessed 2020 as well. Next podcast going to be coming out probably Friday morning. We'll record that after the bowl games wrap up. We've got New Year's Day bowl games as well. Yes. Have a very happy and blessed holiday. We'll talk to you guys later.